morning, England, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jonna. As always, we pay respect to the traditional custodians of the land we're coming from, the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation. We'll join on to another busy sporting weekend, and we'll start with football. It was week 38 and the final match week of the English Premier League as European and relegation spots were finalised. We'll go into a little bit more detail, though, later in the show and uh, see what unfolded in regards to the drama on the last day of the Premier League. World football and in Spain, Real Madrid defeated Sevilla 2-1, while Atletico Madrid defeated Real Sociedad 2-1. Inter Milan defeated Atalanta 3-2 in Italy, while AC Milan wrapped up a top four spot with a 1-0 win over Juventus. Borussia Dortmund suffered heartbreak in Germany as they were pipped to the German title on goal difference after they could only draw at home 2-2 against Mainz, while Bayern Munich defeated Cologne 2-1. So Jono... It was heartbreaking scenes to see uh, the Dortmund fans and the Dortmund players, but unfortunately, they just couldn't take advantage um, of obviously bettering Bayern's result and just winning at home. That's all they needed to do. It was something that seemed so simple to be able to finally be able to lift that trophy once again, but unfortunately for them, heartbreak. Um, In particular, you know, you look at that core of that squad and, and the man who really runs that and Jude Bellingham as well. What's going to happen for him? Are they going to have another season with him? It kind of looks unlikely in terms of what we're seeing in the prospects and everything. Um, but also just crazy to see just Bayern's absolute dominance in there. It's another reminder as to how, how dominant they are, regardless of this season, realistically not being the best at all, yet somehow still able to win it. So it just proves that they have a winning formula in them, and unfortunately, they're still the, the kings of Germany at this point. Yeah, 11th title on the trot. So uh, Borussia Dortmund haven't won it since 2012 uh, under Jurgen Klopp. PSG also wrapped, the ti- wrapped up the title in France as they played out a one-all draw with Strasbourg, while Celtic received the Scottish Premiership trophy at home as they defeated Aberdeen 5-0. Luton Town also confirmed their spot in next year's English Premier League as they defeated Coventry City in the Championship playoff final. The game ended one-all with Luton Town winning 6-5 on penalty, so an extraordinary story there to see Luton Town uh, yeah. in the Premier League next year. Women's Super League, it was match week 22, and Chelsea won the title on the final match week as they defeated Reading 3-0, while Manchester United finished second as they beat Liverpool 1-0. Arsenal finished third despite losing to Aston Villa 2-0, while Manchester City finished fourth after beating Everton 3-2. A-League Grand Final this weekend, John, Melbourne City versus Central Coast Mariners. We've already seen Melbourne City player Scott Jamison announced his retirement, so it'll be his final match yep. in the A-League and for Melbourne City. Obviously, Melbourne City... Going in as the hot favourites, Premiers, um, and they've obviously been the best team during the year. But Central Coast Mariners, a real fairy tale yeah. story. We know a, a small club in terms of the budget in regards to the players they, they can attract. Um, should be a great atmosphere at Parramatta Stadium. And obviously, I think most neutrals will probably be jumping on the Central Coast Mariners bandwagon. Yeah, I'm definitely all for Central Coast. I mean, that's what you want to see sometimes in the leagues. You need these kind of freshness of teams winning it. You need a bit of a change in terms of it's not always that kind of top team that has the most amount of money, the most pedigree and everything. You need some of these different teams to be able to take the throne. So I'm definitely rooting for Central Coast. And I think they definitely can do it as well. They definitely have shown, especially in this last little bit here, this last month or so, they have the quality to be able to do it. Yes, it's going to be an uphill battle, but they do have the quality to be able to take it out. So, hey, all eyes will be on them. And, and everybody loves a bit of an underdog. And again, it's that thing of, you don't have that expectation going in. You know, you really don't need to play with that expectation of needing to win. You're playing it with the want to win to 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 just continue the amazing run that you're on. So I think all hats to them and I think it could be amazing to, to see them lift the trophy. 
Well, the highlights will be out there on Saturday evening, so Definitely. hopefully this should be a great final and obviously a great finish to the A-League season. Uh, Rugby League, round 13, obviously State of Origin week. That is where all the focus is, John. We've got the State of Origin men's game on Wednesday night, Australian time in Adelaide. And then the ladies, the women's game on Thursday night at Parramatta Stadium. Huge news, though, today. Latrell Mitchell, uh, the New South Wales centre, is out of game one with a minor calf injury. He's been replaced by 18th man Stephen Crichton, the Penrith man, with Matt Byrne and the Canterbury playmaker coming in as 18th man. So, Jono... Huge news out of the Blues camp, a massive loss, yeah. uh, and potentially uh, brings the teams a little bit closer. Obviously, we know New South Wales looking like they will go into the game as favourites, but Queensland um, will be confident going in, and obviously they love playing being the underdog, especially when it comes to State of Origin series. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think someone in the stature of Luttrell, I mean, you look at what he means to that, um, that South Sydney team, and you look at what he's able to do as well. He is just a force to be reckoned with. So from a Queensland perspective, you're happy with this, right? It's also on a neutral ground technically as well. So even more so, that gives you even more of an opportunity to be able to steal game one. Yes, New South Wales probably still go in as favorites just based on the quality that they have. But this is huge for them. It really is. I mean, it's, it's, it's a big blow for, for the Blues and, and huge for Queensland. And as I said, playing on a neutral ground, you really you, you don't necessarily have a home field advantage to push you over the edge. So this could be a big opportunity for them. And Luttrell being such a key piece, if he is starting, you know, he's, he's a key piece to that side. So now you're losing that. Very, very close. What, we're two days out? Very, very close to, to when it's actually all going to happen. So big, big news. But um, yeah, now it really just makes it where, yes, New South Wales are a bit favorite, but anything can now happen. Yeah, it should be still a ripping game on Wednesday evening, as State of Origin series usually are. NRL Canberra recorded a good win over South Sydney, obviously minus their origin stars, while Brisbane had a good win in New Zealand, while Newcastle defeated Manly as well on Sunday afternoon in the NRL. AFL round 11, the Sir Doug Nichols round continue obviously celebrating Indigenous and First Nations contributors to the AFL. Sydney recorded a much-needed win over a battling Carlton on a Friday evening. While upsets occurred, GWS defeated Geelong in Melbourne, Hawthorne and Gold Coast also recorded good wins over the weekend. Fremantle continued their good recent run with a win over Melbourne and Adelaide defeated Brisbane. So some up and down results in the AFL um, in regards to round 11. Rugby Union Super Rugby Pacific round 14 nearing the finals now in the Super Rugby. The Highlanders defeated the Queensland Reds 35-30. The Melbourne Rebels defeated the Western Force 52-14. Fiji and Drew defeated Moana Pacifica 47-46 in a highly entertaining clash there. Crusaders defeated the New South Wales Waratahs 42-18. The Blues defeated the Hurricanes 36-25, while the Chiefs edged the ACT Brumbies 31-21, meaning the Chiefs continue to sit top, followed by the Crusaders and Blues, while the Highlanders sit in eight in the finals, final finals position uh, for the Super Rugby. Cricket and the Indian Premier League final between the Chennai Super Kings and the Gurujat Titans was rained out, uh, so it will now be played Tuesday morning Australian time in India. Formula 1, Monaco Grand Prix and Red Bull driver Max Verstappen won a rain-affected race to extend his lead at the top of the Drivers' Championship to 39 points over Red Bull teammate Sergio Perez. Ice hockey in the Stanley Cup playoffs are nearing, are nearing the finals, and the Florida Panthers have qualified for the Stanley Cup finals as they, as they defeated Carolina 4-0 in their series. Yeah. They will play the winner of the Vegas Golden Knights and Dallas Stars, with the Knights currently leading 3-2. So a cracking series there in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Basketball, Jono, NBA. 
Are we about to see witness history tomorrow? Boston forcing a seventh and deciding game against Miami after coming back from 3-0 down. And what a victory in game six. A last-second bucket to take it away from Miami. You saw the, the whole Miami crowd and players couldn't believe it. But, John, are we about to witness history tomorrow? Boston doing the unthinkable. Yeah, it's, crazy scenes will happen in the last game. And then, yeah, by the time, essentially, a little bit after this podcast goes to air, we'll be able to see who has won that Game 7. But it's just crazy to think how that last play kind of went out in that Game 6 and how you kind of, sitting there, you thought that it was all over. And then it's just that split second, couple seconds left on the clock. Literally, we're talking about... Uh, 0.5 seconds or so you just got to close out and really just shows the need to just defend for the whole time because you saw that shut off there and look you even look across I, I saw a video on the internet as well as as at a wedding a group of Miami Heat fans celebrated when they saw they missed the shot but celebrated way too early they had a couple seconds left there for that last little tap in and now it's going to be incredible because I do think Boston can do this now. And I did not think that when we would have thought about this a week or so ago. But now I think that the momentum that they have going into this, don't get me wrong, Jimmy Butler has been playing incredible. But Boston now has all the momentum going back into this. So, And they are a great team. So I almost, I'm going to eat my words and I'm going to say now Boston is potentially going to be taking this through tomorrow. And also for Miami to lift themselves once again. They've had three opportunities to close yeah, this series out. How mentally they are going to turn up tomorrow is going to be huge. Obviously, yeah. having to go to Boston now yeah. to win it. And if you're Denver, you're just sitting back Relaxing. and just watching this seven get these two teams going at it. Um, so Denver are going to be well uh, rested, whoever they yeah. uh, play in the NBA Finals. But it's been an amazing series, and hopefully tomorrow will be an amazing finish uh, to Miami versus Boston. Well, Jonathan, before we get into, obviously, our English Premier League wrap... Um, Obviously, a topic we covered, uh, we've covered on this podcast, and obviously, we know uh, the voice vote, which is going to occur here in Australia at some point this year. Obviously, uh, in support of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders' voice in Parliament, and we saw last week Australian sport uniting uh, to throw their support behind the yes vote for the voice. Uh, it include twenty sporting codes uh, coming together at North Sydney Oval and Sydney's North Shore. Uh, to show a united front. These included AFL, NRL, Rugby Australia, football, cricket, and netball, to name a few. Um, And they came together to publish an open letter to all Australian sport fans, uh, where as a collective, they will be supporting Indigenous and First Nations Nations recognition through The Voice. And obviously, some of the sporting identities included uh, Jamie Jamie Pittman, Jade North, Mal Meninga, Andrew Gaze, Kath Cox, Eddie Betts, and Jason Gillespie, to name a few. Jono, in regards to seeing this united front by different sporting codes here in Australia, how significant do you think that is in terms of when this vote will occur and how an important role sport will play and can play in regards to deciding which way this vote goes and, I guess, the important role sport plays within the social fabric of Australia and how it can influence and be such a big play in regards to these huge decisions which will which will change, potentially change the way Australia moves forward. Yeah, I think it's huge. I mean, I think look, for us it's it's for us to uh, you know on the podcast, I think it's it's pretty clear that we're in support of this, right? And and that we 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 see what the need is here and why everybody should be supporting this. And now you have 
as you said, this almost united um, kind of push for all sporting codes. And we've touched on this before as a power sport and the audience that they have and everything. And it's great to see that united push to make sure that this does happen when the vote happens, that people are out there and understand these sporting codes are in support of it. Because it's quite frankly, quite a, quite a simple thing to, to be saying yes to. It, there really aren't that many arguments against this. And I think as well from a sporting organizations as well, we talk about it in terms of um, education when there's racism or uh, foul play in a locker room or anything. Again, again, this could be an opportunity for the sporting codes, not only just to say that they support the voice of parliament, but also to educate people to make sure they're getting the proper education about it. Because whenever it comes to anything that comes down to a vote or anything, there's a lot of misinformation that goes around. And so this is a great opportunity to make sure that you're providing your fan base with the proper ed uh, resources to educate themselves. Because the more people that are educated about what the voice actually is, why it's needed, the ins and outs of it in terms of what is actually going to fall under it, what abilities is going to bring, just makes for everybody just continue to have that conversation around with their peers. So one person then gets educated, they start having conversations, and the trickle effect to then make sure everybody has um, those educated conversations around it. And I think it's a really good opportunity for these sporting codes to unite and to be able to push that message across. I think that's a key point that you brought up in regards to sport not acting as, they're not telling people how to vote, yeah. but also educating people and informing people in regards to why this vote is so important and why it means so much. And it's not... Uh, it's not going to fix everything, but it could potentially lead to, to some really positive steps down the track in regards to Australia and, and the way we deal and, 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 and help our First Nations and Indigenous people in regards to becoming more of a united yep. Australia. So I think it's, it's a really powerful symbolism in regards to all those codes coming together. And I think it's a really positive step. And I think it's great to see sporting codes, administrators, coming together and recognizing the powerful platform that they hold and the influence that they potentially can hold. And as you said, the way they can educate sport fans, yeah. Australian people at a whole in regards to the importance and, and, and why this vote is such a is such a momentous could be such a momentous moment in Australian history. So I think it's a really positive step and I think it's a really positive symbolism. Um, and again goes into the face of, of people say that sport and politics do not mix, wherein mm -hmm. sport actually can play such a crucial role in it. Yep. So I think they should be congratulated. I think it was good to see uh, these big sporting personalities as well down there to support uh, what the codes were, were coming Definitely. forward to. So hopefully uh, we'll see where this leads. Obviously this conversation is is an ongoing one at the moment. It's, it's probably the, the biggest conversation going on in this country right now. Um, and as I said, if sport can play a positive role in that, I think that should be that should be encouraged. So great to see that, and and we'll obviously see how the um how the vote unfolds later this year. Well, Jono, on to the English Premier League. Another amazing season full of ups and downs has come to an end. Uh, we'll start with that final day, and, and obviously some of the the positions that were decided. We obviously knew the top four yeah. had been sorted. So obviously yeah. Manchester City. Arsenal, Manchester United end up finishing third with their win over Fulham on the yep. final day and Newcastle finishing fourth, which was obviously a phenomenal season for them and Eddie Howe. Yep. The European positions, we knew Liverpool finished fifth, Brighton an amazing season to finish sixth and they'll be in the Europa League next year. While the last 
European position was Aston Villa between Aston Villa and Tottenham. And we saw Villa edge it. So they're going to be in the Europa Conference League next year, which is, I think, great to see and and well-deserved. Since Emery's come in, they've been one of the informed teams in the league. They defeated Brighton on the final day uh, to clinch that position. But it was at the bottom, Jonah. That's where all the storylines, three teams potentially could stay up. Obviously, only one would. And we saw Everton, for the second year in a row, survive on the final day. Uh, They edged Bournemouth 1-0 at home. Leeds, a really, really disappointing season, really came to an appalling end, losing 4-1 to Tottenham at home. All the deficiencies of that team were were showcased and highlighted. While Leicester City, another disappointing season. I don't think anyone tipped them to be where they finished oh, and, and to so be relegated. <laughs> uh, so even though they won 2-1 against West Ham, it wasn't enough because of Everton's yeah. result. John, looking at the season in terms of where teams finished, how do you surmise it? And in terms of, I guess, some of the surprises, negatively and positively, do you think uh, the teams that got relegated, do you think they were the three worst teams this year? Uh, and in terms of European positions... Um, Great to see a couple of new clubs yeah. entering, I guess, now a top seven. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the bottom, you definitely have to say, maybe not the worst player for player, but definitely the worst in terms of how they actually played. And that's what matters on the day. It's not about who has, who's on your roster or anything like that. If that was the case, then Chelsea wouldn't be in the middle of the table as well, you know? So it's actually how you play as a collective. So I think in terms of playing, yeah, that bottom three or bottom four even, Basically, we're, we're supposed to be down there, right? They all just couldn't get anything going, had so many holes and gaps throughout that team in terms of the way that they played together. You thought, you know, you look at Leicester and Leeds in particular, you would have thought they would have done so much better for the caliber of players that they do have on that team in comparison to other teams that finish around that middle of the table. Um, so really disappointing from them. And then, yeah, when you kind of look at the top, it is really good to see that kind of refresh. Yes, we still have City there all the way at the top, but it's great to see Arsenal up Even there. Arsenal. No, yeah. I, don't th- I don't think anyone tipped no. them to run City as yeah. close as they did. Exactly. And and they, they definitely had it in their hands almost, or for most part of the season. Um, and it's good as well, of course, to see somebody like a Newcastle, as you said, Brighton, Villa, all those teams kind of up there. Again, another year of really demonstrating as well Tottenham's up and down nature that you just really don't know what Tottenham you're ever going to get. Great players on that pitch, but again, you're, they're lucky that they're not in that boat of that lower quality end that could well, end Harry up. Harry Kane's bottom. 30 goals certainly. Uh, imagine if they didn't have that, Crazy. where they could have ended yeah. up, and it's going to be a huge off season for them. We know obviously they're looking for a manager. And yeah. Postacoglu, their penalty, is one of the favourites now from Celtic. They couldn't get the final manager. Yeah. He's already turned it down. And will they be able to hold on to the likes of? Of Harry Kane because if they lose him, yeah, I just don't know how they're going to feel. Where are they going to fill that oh. hole? Where are they going to buy a hundred million dollar striker? And what hundred million dollar striker is going to go to Tottenham Hotspur? And and right now as well, if you're Harry Kane, the 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 clock is ticking. Like you need to make a decision. Do you want to stay in Tottenham and be a hero amongst a club the legend, club, right? Or do you want to go out there and, and win something, right? Because that's what it is. It's he either stays with Tottenham now at this point. And then he's going to go down as the best of Tottenham, right? He's going to go down as their idol for kids to grow up from generations to come. But if he wants to do something for himself and actually win something, he needs to leave now. This is the time because he's just getting older, but he's still able to produce right now. So this is the time for him to leave. So huge, huge offseason for him. 
Um, but yeah, for the rest of the Premier League, I think it really showed the kind of up and down nature of what it can be for a long season. I mean, we had Liverpool that was up and down all year. I ended up finishing a lot higher than I probably would have said, let's say, at December. Yeah, the great end of the year. Yeah, and then you have Chelsea as well that slowly just, just started tanking. They are lucky that the season ended today because they could have gone oh. further and further down. So it really just showed that... You know, it's a long season, right? And anything can kind of happen. So I think this year, more so than anything, really encapsulated that, that it, it, it can be an up and down nature and you need to be consistent the whole time to be able to really win or do well as well as the season progresses. But I think over the 38 games, you get what you deserve yeah. during the year. There's no, 100%. there's no, where you finish it is what you deserve. Yeah. 38 games certainly, uh, certainly differentiates the, the quality from the what so nots. Yeah. Um, also, honorable mention to Brentford, only team to do the double over Manchester City this year, and another great year for such a small club. The yeah. way they they punch above their weight, um, an amazing season by them. So great to see uh, Brentford do well um, as well. Well, John, I will go into a bit of a season review. Start picking some of our best. We'll start with our best eleven, and then we'll go into some individual awards and, and not so awards uh, later in the show. All right, we'll start with a goalkeeper. Who was your goalkeeper of the year? Yeah, look, I tried to think creatively and think, oh, it's not just necessarily about win success or shot blocking or anything, but I couldn't get over the way that Nick Pope played this year. I mean, realistically, I think it was second. One of the best defences in the league as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also second in terms of, I believe, shut, uh, clean sheets essentially behind De Gea in terms of overall for the year. So hats off. If that doesn't earn some more spot in terms of international as well, I don't know what does. But I think fantastic year. I really couldn't look past that in terms of just the ability on the on the pitch. I agree. I'm going to go Nick Pope as well. Also, honourable mention to Aaron Ramsdale. I thought yeah. he was really good yeah. at um, for Arsenal. Obviously, Edison, we know, a great keeper for Manchester City. But um, as I said, I think Nick Pope was... You need a good goalkeeper yeah. if you're going to be a good team. And I think he's had an outstanding year. Uh, in marshalling that defence for Newcastle. Defenders, Jono, uh, who are your best defenders of the year? Well, and how many have you gone? What sort of formation have you gone? Yeah, I go back four. Back four. Um, look, can't, uh, I don't necessarily like him necessarily as a player, but Trippier was fantastic this year. Um, for me, you know, he, he's never really done it for me, but this year he, he really showed that he helped Leadership that as team. well. Exactly. So hats off to him. Then on the other side, I'm going to have to give Nathan Ake a little bit of a hats off. Fantastic in that role on the left-hand side. And then, look, in my center backs, I'm going to go Ruben Diaz because I think he was solid for City. And then, you know, I, I got to give this guy something because for the period that he did play, I know a little bit of injuries to end the season, but Lotaro Martinez for United did absolutely fantastic and I think got them into a really good position when he was 100% fit. Yes, there's other centre-backs that could be in this, but just in terms of especially that period that he really led that United team, so i got to give him some props for that and put him in there for that. Especially the doubt that people had in exactly. terms of his size coming exactly. in. And him and Varane, to be fair, have formed when they've been fit and playing yeah. together, they've formed he a good partnership yeah. for United and really given Ten Hag a solid base. I've got a couple of similar players, but a couple of different players in my back four. So I've gone Kieran Trippier again. Yeah. He's not my favourite right back in the world, but I think he's been really solid for Newcastle. Yeah. And as I said, I think his leadership, coming from Atletico Madrid, where he'd won a La Liga under Simeone, which a lot of people forget. So he yeah. learned a lot of, in terms of especially his defensive side of game, I think he's been superb. 
My two centre backs, I'm going to go Ruben Diaz, because I think he's been, especially this second half of the year, yeah. he's such a good late. He's, I think you forget how young he is. Yeah. He's still, he's still got so much developing him, but I think he's been a superb signing for Manchester City. I've gone Lewis Dunk for Brighton, because yeah, okay. I think he's been, he's obviously earned an England call up yeah. in the latest, and I think he's been really solid. An underrated player, probably, probably not your most fashionable centre back, but the way he's helped and, and guided that. Brighton team and obviously to go into yeah, European yeah, football exactly. I think he's been superb and a little bit of a, a player that's played a few positions this year but I think has been an amazing signing for City Manuel Akanji I ah. think he's been superb a relatively cheap signing for Dorman didn't yeah. look that sort of player at Bristol Dorman but you can see walking into a quality squad obviously guided by a quality coach yeah. under Pep I thought he's been superb not only in the Premier but I think even in the Champions yeah. League yeah. That back four for City has just been so much more solid. So I'm going to give a kanji into my back four. Midfield, Jono. Uh, who is in your best 11 midfield? And who, how are you going? What, how are you setting up? Look, you, I'm going to go with essentially three centre mids, right? And I think that's just based on the, the quality that you have. I'll go Rodri. Can't really look past him as a nice defensive midfielder. You really, really can't. So solid for City. Um Casemiro could maybe get a little bit of an honourable mention, but, you know, it just Rodri was just so crucial to the success. He's got everything. Yeah, and and he leads that team. You know, he really does as well. So no, he's, I think he's... he's very much needed for that City team to have, be successful. I can't go past De Bruyne. I mean, he's pretty much, what, been in this team of the Fourth year for... Fourth year in a row that he's leading the assist, which I yeah, think is the just... first time it's ever happened in Premier League history. Yeah, it's just incredible what he does. And again, he's he's very much like a silent leader as well. I mean, it's just the way he conducts himself on the pitch is incredible. And then one player that I absolutely love, and I'm happy that he's finally having the success, it has to be Odengard. I mean, you can't look at what he's been able to do for, for that um, Arsenal squad. He has really led them. And I, I love that he is now really becoming a success story because, I mean, we know his hype when he was quite young. I think he burst onto the scene around like 14, 15 years old. Had a lot Real of expectation. Madrid. Yeah, lots of expectation. So I'm glad he's really found that form right now. I think he's at his peak right now. Um, so great to see him being so successful in that role. No, he's had a superb year for Arsenal. It's great to say, as you said, there was so much potential and so much pressure on him yeah. as a young player. Didn't really work out at Real Madrid, but he seems to have found his place at Arsenal. I'm going to go five in the midfield, so two and three. So my defensive midfielders, I'm going to go Rodri, who I think you can't leave him out. He's, he's I think, the best defensive central midfielder in the world at the moment. And I'm going to go Moses Casado from Brighton. We know Arsenal were yeah, really yeah, after yeah, him in January. True. I think he's potentially, again, teams could be yeah. in for him uh, over the over the summer. I thought he has been superb. His energy in that midfield is just unbelievable. Don't and need again, to keep him though. <laughs> exactly. Him and uh, he uh, yeah, really dominates um, in that midfield for Brighton. In front of those, I'm going to go Martin Odegaard in that number 10. I don't think you can leave him out. I think he's been superb for Arsenal. Either side, Bakaya Saka. I know he's had a bit of a quieter finish to the year, but again, I thought he's been one of the linchpins for Arsenal and one of the reasons they've got well, they're going to finish where they finish. And on the other side, I think one of the big reasons United have finished third is Marcus Rashford. I know he yeah. prefers to be on the wing. Sometimes he does play down the centre. Yeah. Um, but his goals, again, if you take his goals away out of United, potentially not a top four finish and potentially not a League Cup and FA Cup final appearance. So I thought Marcus Rashford, it's been great to see him play this year. Uh, seems to have less injuries this year and he's been able to score the goals and his confidence is back, which is great to see. Hopefully... We'll see that in an England shirt as yep. well. Up front, Jono, who are you going to go? 
All right, so I, got I think it's pretty three up front technically for me. So two wingers and a central striker. Now look, I had to make sure I put this one player in there. So of course Holland's going to be in there, but I'm actually going to put him on the wing. What a put, winger! <laughs> put Saka on the other side, and I have to give my hats off to Harry Kane. Yeah, and kind of, I have to put him in yeah, there. I mean, he yeah. scored thirty so goals, many for goals. He finished for, eight exactly. So. You, you got to make able to score for me in City. Yeah, you got to make room for him somehow. Holland, don't get me wrong, is the star of that bunch, right? But you just got to give Harry Kane props for being able to still score so many. And really, Tottenham have to be so thankful for him at this point. I can't look past not. Yeah, I, I couldn't find a way of not including him, so I had to include him. So Holland, you are going to be one hell of a winger. You move into the center with Harry Kane, and who cares? You guys just play between the two. You can have Saka kind of floating around, but. Had to, had to include him in there as That's well. That's some front three. Obviously, I'm going to go, and go one up front. Uh, Erling Haaland, I yeah. can't go past him. Obviously, I wanted to get Kane up front, but I've tried to squeeze a few <laughs> other players into that midfield. So, obviously, Kane does, would deserve to be yeah. there as well for his phenomenal year. But I think I think both those 11s would, be, uh, would take some beating. All right, John, individual awards. We'll start with coach of the year. Who was your coach of the year? Yeah, look, uh, for me, it was kind of a toss-up between two, um, between Eddie Howe and Arteta, to be quite fair. But I've got to give, you got to give a little bit of the edge to Eddie Howe in terms of the, the, the squad that he did have in comparison to maybe Arsenal and the individual talent. I think Arsenal absolutely shocked us all in terms of what they were able to do. But to be able to take a Newcastle team the way that he was able to and, and secure basically pretty much the whole year, they didn't look out of that top four. So props to him um, for being able to do that. So I've I got to give it to him then for that. I'm going to start mine by saying, obviously, Pep Guardiola and what he's done with City. I know he's got a phenomenal squad, but the way he's coached that squad, seeing John Stones move into midfield this yeah. year, the way players have even got better again, um, the way they've, uh, I guess, put Haaland and changed a little bit the way they, they they play traditionally. And obviously, there was a bit of criticism early in the year about not using Haaland enough, and I think they've worked that out now. Mm. Uh, so, obviously, props to him, another amazing coaching performance. But I'm going to go Roberto De Zerbi for Brighton. After Potter left to Chelsea, there was a little bit of concern, obviously, how well Graham Potter had done at Chelsea. And he's come in and made that team even better. Yeah. And the football they play is just phenomenal football. Um, some great young players in that team. Hopefully, they'll be able to keep some of them for their European adventure mm. next year because the big clubs are circling. I know McAllister to Liverpool is a big rumour, uh, which is uh, circling. Uh, so I think Roberto De Zerbo has got a lot of credit and a great job. A couple of honourable mentions, Eddie Howe, Arteta, and also Gary O'Neill at Bournemouth. When he came in after Scott Parker, I think everyone thought they were going to be ridden off yeah. and relegated, and they've comfortably survived. Yeah. So, fantastic job by Gary O'Neill at Bournemouth as well. Play of the season, Jono. Um, obviously, a couple of uh, obvious ones here, but who is your player of the season? Look, I mean, I, personally, I, I couldn't go against Holland, right? So, he has to technically get the award. But again... You have to give props to a lot of different players for this because there are so many that potentially if Holland were not in this, I think it'd be such a tight race for that. You have a number just from the top to the bottom, but overall, in terms of what he was able to do, the impact that he had on that City team, Holland has to take the cake for this one. I'm going to go Holland as well. It's hard to go past. Honorable mentions, Odegaard's had a great yeah. year. Harry Kane, Rashford, Casado, Rodri, so some... Some great individuals, obviously Kevin De Bruyne. Again, um, I think we just sort of sometimes see past him in terms of how good he is. Um, but it's hard to go past yeah. Ireland for what he's done this year. Most surprising team of the year, Jono, for you? 
Most surprised in a positive way. Most yeah. surpri- what team has surprised you this year in terms of uh, the way they've performed? Um, look, it has to be Arsenal, I think, because again, to your point, I think even a couple of weeks ago when I asked you one word to describe them, um, realistically. Not many people put them in that spot before the year started, right? So when you look at it from a positive side of things, yes, a Newcastle, a Brighton, all those teams could be in there as well. But for me, Arsenal finished second and pretty much being at the top the whole year has to be... I don't think anyone would have written that. You would have probably had Liverpool. You would have had a Chelsea potentially in there. Could have had a City. You you probably didn't say Arsenal all that too much. So hats off to them. They definitely, I think, shocked the whole world. I'm going to go... A little bit of a different one, Fulham. Oh, okay. Because I think people, last time they came in, they spent a lot of money and got relegated pretty much. Did a Nottingham Forest almost and got relegated straight away. I think the job that Marco Silva has done with that Fulham team has been superb. Seeing Willian, I thought his mm. career in Europe was over. And he's almost, yeah. he's playing like he did at Chelsea um, in regards to, to the quality. Um, so I think they've played a really good brand of football at Craven Cottage. Um and obviously, we know Marco Silva's had his struggles. I know when he went to Everton, uh, after he left Watford, he, it didn't work out for him there. So it's good to see him again, I guess, building his reputation as a manager again. But I think Fulham have never been in relegation trouble this year. Yeah, true. And have finished... They were really, they were threatening for European spots there. Fell away a little bit at the end of the year. Um, but a great season by Fulham, I thought, this yeah. year. Best transfer of the season, you reckon, Jono? Look... Again, I really wanted to move away from the player, but I, I couldn't go past Holland. I really couldn't. I was trying to think, and you know, when you just look at it pound for pound and what he's able to do, I, I just couldn't grasp myself to, to look away from that. Um, so I'll have, to, I'll have to give him props for it. I'm going to go a player that I did mention earlier, Akanji, Manuel Akanji, around 17 million yeah, euros from Dortmund. Yeah, that's true. Not expensive at all. Yeah. And he's been superb this year. Defensively, really fitted into that... Um, Guardiola system and just given them such defensive solidity. So I think Akanji's been an amazing signing. Not a big money signing, not what you think a City signing potentially would be. Just great business and obviously great coaching by Guardiola. Worst transfer of the season. Yeah, like I thought about this in a couple ways. Thought about it as the individual player. I thought about it as the impact that they would have had on the team as well, or they had on the team this year. Again, it's for Manchester City, and that's Calvin Phillips. Mm. I mean, realistically, was I know the injuries, the I know some injuries and everything like that, but I don't even think would have gone into the squad this year, even if fully fit. Realistically, so individually as well, not a good transfer for him to make. Right, could have stayed with that Leeds team and, and done wonders there. Right, just poor as well from City perspective, spending a decent amount on him as well to not even really utilize his best ability so and and who knows what's going to happen even if he gets 100 percent all season next year who knows what's really going to happen with him as well in terms of getting into that squad yeah we'll be a big season for him and city next year to see if he can develop in that city team i'm going to go with richarlison to tottenham yeah. 50 million yeah. they brought him in it was obviously uh back up to harry kane yeah yeah but a lot of money you're right really yeah. poor yeah. this year and I like Richarlison as a player. We've seen what he's done with Brazil. We saw what he did at Everton. A player that works hard yeah. as well as scores goals. But it just has not worked at Tottenham. And it may not be all his fault. We know the trouble that Tottenham has had with Conte and, and coaches and the system and, and et cetera, et cetera with Tottenham. But I just expected a lot more. I actually liked this signing for Tottenham when they made it yeah. uh, at the beginning of the year. So disappointing to see Richarlison not quite live up to that yeah. billing. And it'll be interesting to see how he and Tottenham move forward next year and last question Jono 
most disappointing team of the season. I think we've got a few here to choose from. Yeah, there's definitely a few you can choose from. Um, I mean, you look at even when you think about the top dogs in terms of Liverpool still disappointing, regardless even they finished kind of up towards the top. Chelsea, of course, very disappointing. Um, but for me, I thought about my roots in the United States and the American project that it was in Leeds. So I got to say, for a club of that size, for the people that they brought in, um, even thinking that, you know, Weston McKennie could be a bit of a saving grace and then playing with Tyler Adams and, you know, people that he's used to playing on an international scale, you would have thought that they would have done a lot better. Um, and to see them go back down is just, it's huge. I mean, when they finally got up, you thought, Leeds are back. This is it. They're here to stay, right? This is huge. And this is going to be a huge blow to them next year because now you look at it financially. How are they going to be able to support a huge wage bill and things like that? So has to be Leeds. And again, for me personally as well, I wanted all these U.S. Amer- American players who represent the team internationally to be able to do well. Um, but now, unfortunately, been relegated and they're no longer in the Premier League. Yeah, the American Revolution at Leeds didn't quite work out. For me, John, I can't go past Chelsea. Yeah. For all the money they spent, another American yeah, revolution true. in regards to ownership. And my God, it's gone absolutely terribly this year. None of the transfers have worked out. They're on eight-year deals. Yeah. Apparently, Pochettino has signed or will be signing very soon. So it's going to be intriguing to see how he's going to handle that bloated squad and yeah. and see what players come in and out at Chelsea. But for for everything Chelsea's been, especially in the Abramovich era, they've just fallen off a cliff this year and, and it's going to be a huge... Literally, if the um, season was longer, they'd be relegated. Mate, they were, they were terrible. And honourable mentions, though, I thought Everton, even though they survived, yeah. a club like that should not be in that position the second year in a row. Really disappointing to see Leicester City yeah. winning the Premier League, what, six, seven years ago, and now they're going to be relegated, probably lose some of their best players. And the other team that I've been disappointed with this year, just because of expectation, is Liverpool. Yeah, of course. They were a chance to win all four last year, yeah. and this year they're not going to win anything and not even in the Champions League. So a bit of a, a regroup, and obviously going to have to be a bit of a shuffle around at Liverpool in regards to players in and out there. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But Jono, as you know, with the Premier League, even though the season's finished, now we're going to have a huge summer transfer window. Obviously, tours going on as well. So there's going to be plenty to talk about. Yep. And some huge transfers could potentially take place because a lot of teams are going to be after a lot of quality. And, and we know a lot of gaps um, in some of these big teams. So it's going to be intriguing to see how all that unfolds. Well, that brings you another episode of Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jana. As always, thank you for your support. And good night.